Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I'm your host, Annette Grant. And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling to scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. And let's get on with the show. On today's episode of Honest E-Commerce, we welcome Leanna Patch from Punchline Copy. She's a conversion copywriter and comedian whose greatest dream is to make your customers pause, smile, and click. Alrighty, welcome back. Here is yet another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I was actually looking at our stats earlier today and we're catching up on Kurt Elster. He just got a million downloads and we've got like 3,000. So we're doing good. Yeah, watch yourself, Kurt. We're coming yeah, for you. We're coming for you, Kurt. <laughs> so with, with that being said, I'm welcomed by Annette across the table from me What's up, everybody? and across America from us. I guess that's technically it's across America. Yeah, true. Uh, today, we welcome to the show Leanna from Punchline Copy. Uh, Leanna is a professional conversion copywriter and a comedian. So uh, we'll see what we can get out of her today. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, the, the no pressure intro to be funny. <laughs> yeah, no, now you have to give us a knock knock joke and it has to be related oh, to Shopify or we're just going to cancel this thing. Oh, yeah, we should have had one teed up. Okay, I'll, I'll come up with one by the end. Okay, we'll, we'll see if yeah. we remember that. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> no, no, no. It's perfectly fine. It's cool. So copywriting. We've had a few copywriters on the show. And I can't explain how important copywriting is to our listeners. There is just... You know, you can't describe your products well enough on your website. You can't describe your services well enough. Just whatever you're doing, just writing copy that appeals to the senses, appeals to your customer avatars is so important. So anytime that a copywriter wants to jump on here, we're always super excited about it. So let's, uh, let's kind of get into it. Let's talk about e-commerce copywriting. Yeah. Um, what's, you know, what brought you to be punchline copy today? You know, what's your kind of, you know, what's your tall tale in five minutes? Well, I, I, you know, have this deep seated need for validation. So, uh, I was doing stand up as you do when you feel empty inside and that was a few years ago. And I was, I'd was i been copywriting for probably 7 years at that point. And I was just like, I wish I could combine these two things that I enjoy. Uh, stand-up and also improv and things that make me money. And then basically a couple people were like, Well, why couldn't you? And I was like, Oh my God, I have permission now. Uh, so that's when I sort of rebranded and I started focusing on humor copy. And I specifically, I specifically work with uh, e-commerce and software clients because... A, they're the coolest people, and B, they're the ones who are the most focused on uh, ROI of copy. So I always want to make sure that like people are spending money where it, it makes sense, and not just like throwing thousands of dollars away on copy that doesn't convert. So being able to track those conversions works out well for all of us. Okay, I gotta know how how do you track your ROI from your copy? Like I'm I'm curious into that. Where do, what do I do? Do I do in Google Analytics? Um, well, if you are running a store and you're running uh, tests, or if you have a testing program where you're like, okay, I'm fixing all my technical issues, you know, I'm doing qualitative research, so I know what messages I need to say, and I'm swiping those messages, and that's part of what conversion copywriting is, is that messaging research, then you're probably like, all right, I've identified that the copy on this page is an opportunity or it's not performing as well as it could. Let's try some new copy and see how the conversion rates change. Do you test your copy 
uh, like one with comedy and then without to see which converts better? Or is all of yours comedy now? I have in the past. It's hard to find clients with that much traffic who okay. you know are like, let's let's split test between the control, the original, like the straight version and the funny version. Okay. Um, I have tested it in the past though, and uh, in the two or three cases that we did that, the funny version won. Love it. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're just essentially it's your it's traditional split testing with the copy down. So how how deep are you getting with this? Are you just texting subject lines on like a... Uh, not subject line, I'm sorry. But like a product title? Or are you testing the product copy, the call to actions? You're doing them all at once? You're doing them one at a time? You know, What's that process look like? Usually if I'm working on a product page, I'll evaluate the whole thing. So things will usually start with like a heuristic audit. And I'll do a screen share video. And I'll say, you know, as... As a visitor to the site, knowing nothing about the analytics, you know it's very hard for me to see this button or this link is broken, or I'd like to be able to zoom in on the product images and I can't. So like all of these are potential opportunities to improve conversions. And then I'll say, also this copy doesn't tell me much about the materials. You know, I might want to know like where were these diamonds mined, or like who made this shirt, or what does the material feel like on my skin, or whatever it is. So I kind of come at it from this whole hog perspective. And then when I deliver the final copy, I'll give those heuristic and UX feedback points along with uh, the new copy. And often when I rewrite copy, it's, it ends up being longer than the original. And I think there's some resistance to that because it's like, oh, people just want to get in there and buy. Um, but there, you know, there is evidence to show that if you give information people need, they will read it. Yeah, I think that the long form sales letter is tried and true it still works i mean half yeah. the, half of the great marketing books were written as long long form sales letters at the beginning yeah and like some you know sometimes you just have to get out of people's way and that's where short copy comes in handy like if you have a, a low dollar item and you know it's like an impulse purchase like 15 bucks or below or something like that maybe you don't need long educational copy but if you have a more complicated item or something that's like 2000 bucks, you're probably going to need to give a little bit more context and assuage some more objections. Absolutely. That's that's without a doubt. I think that with the larger purchase prices, you know, your more luxury items, uh, items that you probably are only going to buy one of and never replace it, those are going to be a longer buying cycle. So you're yeah. going to need to do as much education as you can. And so if your copy is lacking and then to follow up with that, your retargeting is trash. Like you are just leaving money on the table. <laughs> yeah, and money money should be, I don't know, in your fancy pockets or I don't know, the gambling <laughs> table, your, your heirloom purse. These are all objects that don't exist, um, but I'm making them up. Awesome. So beyond just kind of on-page copywriting, uh, it, I see here that you're also helping people out with their emails and you know. I'm assuming that you're also helping them with split testing those subject lines within these automations as well. So give me a little more context into how you're helping with these emails. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think that I'm taking more of a, a software onboarding approach when it comes to e-commerce emails. I think there's a much bigger opportunity than most stores realize to kind of usher people into the fold, introduce them to the brand, and generate real good feelings and start building a relationship before you just start hammering them with sales offers. Um, so, for instance, I wrote a series, a welcome series for a coffee retailer. They sell uh, whole bean coffee out of London. And if you sign up for your like 10% off coupon, you get this five email series that's like, how should I pick a roast? 
what's the difference between all these kinds of beans? You know, how do I avoid destroying my expensive coffee while I'm brewing it? Uh, and from that series, let me look up that stat because we ended up seeing an uptick in both first-time purchases and repeat customers after he implemented that series. My cat is like, it's true. It really <laughs> happened. The cat's validating the statistics, the analytics here. I always, He's in here. Yeah. <laughs> I always ask my pets if I did a good split test. <laughs> like, split note, test it. Chase has no pets. so <laughs> yeah, I'm referring to my roommate, Ashi. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. He is going to rework our intro music. So oh, m- maybe, maybe he'll we'll hear this one. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So uh, is the number in your welcome series, You know, is that an arbitrary number? Would you say there's a minimum people need to have? A maximum? You know, is, uh, I'm assuming with a welcome series and with everything else within a business, especially when it comes to copywriting and marketing in general, it should all be tested. Uh, but do you have any insights for people that don't have a welcome series and what they should really consider? Yeah. I mean, it should be mapped to what they need to know to feel comfortable buying from you. So maybe that's just a single email uh, and you can get everything that they might need to know in that email. Or maybe you want to spread it out and take it a little slower and say, like, here's more about our company. Here's more about the materials we use. Here's some social proof from other buyers and reviewers. You can, when in doubt, I think you can lengthen that series instead of pushing right up front. But a rule of thumb that I like to use is a sales email every three emails or so. So try to give value three emails uh, in a row and then you can go for the sale. That's great advice. So you said every three, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, you'll see people, you know, sell more aggressively and less aggressively. And it's, it's kind of whatever you've conditioned people to expect. Sure. And so beyond uh, you know, the welcome series automations, what are your suggestions when it comes out to campaigns? Because I feel like that's a big pain point with some of our clients. We're big proponents over here of automated email marketing. And we see that we often will set these campaigns up for our clients. And then we'll see that the automation campaigns we have set up, but then the you know whatever cadence they want to work on, be it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, those seem to not have much strategy behind it. So mm-hmm. what would you say are like the best practices there or just things to consider on making sure that your campaigns have as much thought put into them as you know the welcome series probably has? Yeah, I kind of like a quarterly approach. So like a loose theme uh, per quarter. You know, what are we what are we going to talk about this quarter? And then however often we're sending, whether it's monthly or weekly, how does that tie in? So you can kind of give people a sense of what to expect. Um, what to look forward to from you? Almost telling a story. Think, yeah, I don't think I don't think it has to be much more complicated than that. If you're running, if you're running like super complex promotions, then maybe uh, you want to get a little more granular granular with your um, campaign planning. But I I think like evaluating the effectiveness of any campaign before you send it, you just have to be ruthless. Like, how is this going to matter to the reader? Who is going to care about this? Uh, and if you can't clearly answer that question, you probably don't need to send the campaign. Yeah, that that's my question. Is there ever a time, even if you're trying to stay on a cadence, you just say, you know what? It's actually going to be... De- it, like It's not going to be for us to to send out this email blast. I feel like that sometimes we're just... I myself, I'm just like, oh, we need to send out an email blast and just make something up. And it just it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't make sense. Is there ever yeah. a time it could it could be more harmful than helpful? 
Yeah. And I don't think you'll get a ton of people writing back and being like, hmm, objectively, you really didn't need to send this. Like, right. I'm going to unsubscribe now. They'll probably just unsubscribe and you won't get that feedback or know why. But yeah, no one's ever going to get mad at you for not emailing as often. Yeah, I just think I'm I'm tired of receiving emails. So I think that's where it gets... I'm worn down from receiving them. So then I, I think too much about sending them. Yeah. Even I always... That's, I think, where humor... We get away with a little bit more because if people are used to receiving funny things from you, they're much more likely to cut you some slack even when you're not you know, at your best, whether that's sending on a cadence or sending something particularly funny. I like that. Yeah. I just like when in doubt, like if you're sending an email, make sure you're sending value. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so particular about our content strategy at Electric Eye. I'm like, we're producing stuff weekly because I don't want to have to think on my feet and write an email. Mm -hmm. I can just talk about what we made that week. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people care about. And I think sometimes like when you're in that position of like, Oh God, I don't know what to write about. Should I write something? That pressure can sometimes back you into a really fun corner and you end up writing something that does well. It's like when you send a one-off tweet without thinking about it and it's suddenly your most popular tweet for no particular reason, except that it was casual and you didn't put too much thought into it. Awesome. So kind of getting back to that cadence, have you got any clients that are sending daily emails and seeing super results and like, you know, then backing it up from there, clients that are only sending an email maybe once a quarter, you know, is What's what should I do as the new store owner? Like, I, I this all just sounds so overwhelming. Yeah, I say, you know, get your automation sequences set up first because those are the ones that are going to keep working for you. And then figure out how much time you actually have. If you're writing it or if your marketing director is writing it, uh, how much time you have to put together something meaningful and don't push it. Like, don't do more than that. And I should say that I mostly work in the automation uh, campaign space, I'm not doing a lot of one off emails. I think I have one client that sends... It used to be a weekly newsletter and now it's a monthly newsletter. Um, and it's like a... That's something, again, that their people have come to expect from them. And it's a monthly roundup of stormwater compliance news. Uh, <laughs> okay. The client that I always talk about, like the last people you would expect to have a funny email newsletter, but they do because they, they know that their space is so boring. They're like, we have to make this interesting and fun for people. Hey, if you're in the product making business, then we've got great news for you. Katana is here to make your life easier. There's now a Shopify app built and designed for merchants that make their own products, manage your sales, orders, raw materials, production schedule, inventory, and material purchasing all from one dashboard. The name of that app is Katana. K-A-T-A-N-A. Katana is designed for makers, crafters, and small manufacturers selling on Shopify. Until now, product makers selling on e-commerce have had to settle with messy spreadsheets or regular inventory management software. We know they both usually suck if you need to make your own products. Fortunately, Katana is built from ground up with the needs of a small manufacturer in mind. Production scheduling and inventory management has never been this easy for Shopify merchants. A recent survey shows that 93% of Katana's users say they love it because of the ease of the setup and how intuitive it is. To try Katana for free, sign up at www.katanamrp.com. That's K-A-T-A-N-A-M-R-P.com. Or search Katana on the Shopify app store. There's a 14-day free trial. You do not need a credit card. And when you're signing up, use the promo code HONEST to get 30% off your first three months of a paid subscription. Check out Katana today. So the other automated emails then, you have the welcome. What are your other non-negotiable that you would set up for a client? A cart, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually I try to go for three of those. So 
usually one within the hour that the cart's been abandoned. Oh, really? One within about six hours. Yeah. And one within 24. And you you know, you can stretch it out to maybe with the first ones within six hours, the second ones within 24, and the third ones within 48. Yeah, um, we but do. If, if people lose that buyer's intent, they're probably not coming back. Yeah, we do one in 23 at least. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like you could probably infuse a lot of humor on the abandoned carts. Do you have any examples you could give us? <laughs> um, so much. I think some of it's getting played out now. There was, uh, it's like that Derek Sivers um, CD Baby email for the order confirmation where it's like the whole office exploded in celebration. And now that's kind of more common than you would expect. I think the similar thing has happened with the abandoned cart emails where it's like, oh, the thing in your cart is sad that you left it behind. But maybe that's just me being super entrenched in email because uh, I still like to write those kinds of things. And I did a spin on that um, recently for a client who sells sprinkler parts and other landscaping uh, supplies. And it was like, uh, what was it? I mean, I'm like sitting in front of my laptop, so I'm going to look it up. Uh, I can't remember what I named the guy, but it was like, oh, this guy, you know, Stuart in our office was super excited because you had this great <laughs> cart and then you just left. I was crying under his desk, like, please, we want to go home, like, help us get Stuart out or whatever it is. That's good. No, awesome. That's uh, not what sprinkler customers are expecting. Yeah, probably. no, that's great. Okay, so we've got <laughs> welcome. We've got abandoned cart. You recommend three. Mm-hmm. What's yes. your other automated um, email? Post purchase win back. So, obviously, if you have a, a recurring project or a product like coffee, you know when they're going to run out. You know, if they buy um, a pound of coffee, you probably are going to send them, hey, do you want to buy another pound like within two weeks? But even if it's a one off product, you can send something um, sooner that says, like, hey, we also have these other products that people like or that go with the thing you bought or by the way we just you know we have these uh, popular materials or whatever it is um, that people tend to buy and because once they've bought from you once obviously they're more likely to come back and buy again and just by sending that that win back sequence you can shorten the time between orders uh, and I think people tend to just like they send that welcome sequence they maybe send the abandoned carts they get that first order and then they roll people into their regular cadence of one-off uh, emails. Right. And they don't think about like, what could we automate to bring them back sooner and short the time between orders? Do you recommend a uh, some sort of offer in the win back with a, a coupon? Or is it just an email to alert, you know, let them know that you're, you're still there? That coupon uh, is really effective. Okay. Um, obviously, like you don't want to condition people to expect discounts every time they, mm-hmm. they buy from you because then they're going to become not great customers, but yeah, to get them back sooner, especially if it's something that they might need another of, that can be super effective. And I think I've really been paying attention lately to... um, We're all so hungry to get the new customers and we kind of forget about the people that have already spent money with us. And it's like, they've already... you know, We've already delivered to them. They've already spent their hard-earned money with them. So why wouldn't we um, incentivize them, especially if they've bought a full price item? I think that win back is... You could probably even set something up automated that way. Like anybody that bought something full price, offer them a discount... Just as like, hey, thanks for you know, thanks for trusting us with the, with your yeah, cash the first time around. Here. Yeah, cool. I also really like um, both in the welcome sequence and in that win back sequence, sort of a passive research gathering email. You know, so like, tell us more about you, so we can segment you more effectively, or tell us not like leave a review of this product, but um, you know, like what were you looking for when you started shopping for uh, wool tennis shoes or whatever it is, um, and then that. 
that sort of passive data collection doesn't cost you anything, but after about 200 to 250 responses, you might have insight into what needs to be in your product description or what needs to be um, in your welcome sequence to encourage more purchases. Absolutely. Data is all powerful. And then I I think that just with the automations, you just got to take a step back and realize that what you're sending these people is so much more targeted and like in line with what they're actually looking to do on your website. It like the it's like such a better marketing match than like kind of the shotgun email blast. Yeah. That where they're trying to get everybody with the same message. It's like, hey, the perfect example is like this was in your cart. Here's the thing you were looking at. Do you want this thing? Like that's such a targeted message. And then even like post purchase, it's like you bought this thing leave us a review about this thing. So like, mm-hmm. when you get it so niche down to exactly what these people are looking at and interacting with on your site, you get way higher response rates. Yeah, for sure. There's some crazy stat out there that's like segmented emails generate 38% more engagement or something like that from opens and clicks and purchases. Yep. And then just right. taking that a step further, like just double downing what you said earlier, like absolutely set all these automations up first because they're going to make you way more money than your email blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we sort of we touched on some of the emails that people aren't really sending that they could, and that was kind of like the must-haves, like the um, the welcome sequence and the win back and the abandoned cart. But I'm starting to see some of these um, startup brands, especially in the apparel space, do some really interesting stuff. Are you guys familiar with Outdoor Voices? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they sent this email. Uh, a friend of mine ordered leggings from them, and they sent her an email that was like, "Hey, we are going to get these leggings." And they're going to be really tight. And they're supposed to be tight. And here's why. Like, they're going to loosen up a little bit, but the fabric that we use is a little tight at first. Like, just so you know. Uh, And if anything, if they do end up being too tight, don't worry, you can return them. But we're just giving you a heads up. And I'm I'm thinking of that as like the the pre-order receipt objection reducer. So like, I can't imagine how many returns that's cut down on. Because they sort of prepped people. To, to know what to expect. Yeah. Like oh, insane. I, I've never seen an e-commerce brand do that proactively. Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms. So setup is quick and easy. Simpler's network of on-demand US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists. Start your free 7-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash honest. So one time I did Smile Direct Club. Uh, I got the the braces oh, yeah. or whatnot. And, but they were so new when they when it was coming out. And I was kind of enthralled by their marketing. And I was like, ah, you know, I've always hated this little gap thing. Whatever. I did it, right? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> but they were like just building out their automations, and it was like yeah. I purchased this thing, and then silence for three weeks. Ugh. And I was like, "Yo, that was not cheap. Right. <laughs> like, what's yeah. going on with my money?" So, right. if you have a product like that where it's expensive and it takes a while to like, you know, it's a custom product or or something, you know, I got to go like customize this part for you. Like, you mm-hmm. got to keep the clients in the know after that. I'm sure that they 
fixed that by now. Uh, but like, I remember <laughs> that when I was like, I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, right. Where Silence are the crickets yeah. right after you yeah. give them their money? Right. For like sure. I thought I bought from smile direct, not smile indirect. <laughs> oh yeah. So <laughs> things to consider is like, if you know, if you do, if you know that there's a particular set of products in your store that need a longer lead time, like you should set up automations. Like, Hey, we got your order. It takes about a week for this to get pushed out the door. Like we're gonna keep you informed. You're gonna get this. Yeah. You're gonna, you know, use the more information you give someone about something they've exchanged money and value for. Like mm-hmm. they're gonna, no one's gonna complain that you sent them too many emails about the communicating about right. the thing they already bought. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like, how can you use that time to get them even more amped about the thing that they bought? Like, we're making this just for you. Uh, a client of mine, um, Manly Bands. They sell wedding rings and they do custom rings, and that obviously takes a longer lead time. And we've talked about for them, like, uh, you know, sending the order confirmation, here's what to expect, uh, here's how people are going to start making your ring. And then over the course of like the next four weeks, saying a little bit more about the actual ring, like smelting process and the stamping and carving and, uh, you know, jewel setting and like where the jewelers come from and their experience and that kind of stuff. So that by the time they actually have the ring in their hands, they're like, I know everything about this. And I, I've been waiting for weeks to get it. And I'm so excited. Instead yeah. of just being like, it's almost done. Yep, it's the, almost there. It's like almost like a secondary welcome series. But by the time they get yeah. their custom made ring that they, you've created a brand evangelist out of this guy who's a nerd and is probably like, this is cool stuff. I'm learning about this ring. Yeah. And you're reinforcing that it was a good idea to drop thousands of dollars on this ring. Absolutely. Um, but to go back to some of these other automations that you can set up and maybe some like the easier ones that I see, the one low hanging fruit, I hate that term. <laughs> I birth- hate fruit in general. <laughs> I do hate fruit in general, but that's a whole he different topic. Really, he really does. <laughs> really? Oh my God. I'm a carnivore and meat and potatoes <laughs> yeah, kind of guy over here. Meat and potatoes kind of guy for sure. Oh uh, my God. But, <laughs> but, but here's, a, here's something birthday email. Like it's so mm-hmm. easy to set that up, it's one piece of data. And half the time you get it during checkout, send somebody a discount code during their birthday or mm-hmm. just wish them happy birthday if you don't do discounts with your brand. Well, I guess that's just an easy automation setup that half the people don't do it. Yeah. Or if they do it, they use the default copy that comes in, uh, I think, either Shopify or Clavio or both. That's like, congratulations, full name. It is your birthday <laughs> on this date. Insert date. Like, here is a candle graphic. Good job being born. And you're just like, this is horrible. Like, the kind of thing you get from your dentist or your vet on your pet's birthday. Yeah. But you don't have pets either. You hate <laughs> fruit and animals. Wow. Broad categories. Some things to hate. I'm just cutting out half of it. <laughs> um, yeah, just cut all of that. The other thing that I've seen with the birthday emails that I thought was super slick uh, is sending a birthday email on your brand's birthday. Ooh. You know, it's another opportunity to reach out and be like, hey, we've got an excuse to celebrate. We started this business, you know, four years ago on this day, and that's why we're doing a 15% off flash sale. That is or cool. Yeah. That's a yeah. fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah I've yeah, never heard about doubling it. the number. And then it just gives you time, I, especially to tell your brand story again, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, include some, some interesting facts. Here's, here's one that I'm doing right now. So I work with a local tattoo shop here in Columbus. And they're awesome. sending they're sending emails on the tattoo's birthday. Oh, nice. they're like they're like they're like this thing is six months old now. It's probably perfectly healed. We'd love if you sent us a picture of it. Oh, so smart! That is very smart. That's a huge problem for tattoo artists. Was that your idea? No oh yeah, that was my idea. 
Look at him. He's got a, nice. he's got a good, also, good idea. Well, I worked there for five years before I came this e-commerce expert. <laughs> that's my backstory. Nice. His back tattoo story. Oh, that's oh, a, that's a whole nother Is it a story. Phoenix, like Ben Affleck. <laughs> oh, wait. He has a back tattoo? Ben Affleck? Oh. Did y'all not see these photos? It was like Ben Affleck, you know, Jennifer Garner divorced him, his life fell apart, and then he got a, a giant Phoenix back tattoo. Oh, I got, I'm going to have to do some. Do yeah, some like Google images death. after this. Yeah, and that's got two yeah. things to research automated emails and back <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> I'm a bit busy. Some, some data collection agency somewhere wants that. Okay, so I like those ideas the brand birthday mm-hmm. and then a the post purchase, the product birthday. I mean, you can even just go back to e commerce with it. Uh, if you've got a product that fails over time, you know, something's a little more reusable. Like we have a client that is, they have like a towel, it's a sports towel for going to the gym, going to yoga, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that thing gets gross after six months, you know, but they don't want to put that in their copy. <laughs> right. They're like, they're like, if you work out every day, you've probably washed this thing 72 times and it's not made out of diamonds. So it's probably a little rough. Do you want a discount code for a new one? Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Anticipating the, the customer's needs there. No, yep. that's good. Yeah. And you can do the same thing with things that maybe don't completely depreciate, but need like hair. So, you know, um, these shoes that have been making the rounds, Rothy's, I'm actually wearing a pair right now. Like, why not send an email three months after that that's like, hey, you've been wearing these around. Remember, they're washable. It's been three months. Uh, you might need to throw them in the wash. Here's how to do that again. Very cool. I didn't know that was possible. I don't know yeah. how to use my washing machine. So <laughs> he just <laughs> buys new clothes every time. Uh, um, I, I want to chat just, I know it's not really like a founder story episode, but I do want to ask really quick. When the merging of your passion of comedy and copywriting, uh, when like you said, you needed validation on that, but how has that worked for you? Because we always want to encourage any of our listeners to really go after, you know, even if it's something that's not in the marketplace yet, they can be a trendsetter. Do you find other people, um, you know, that are copy- copywriting like you, or other comedians that are trying to find like find their ground as artists and actually make money in a different arena? I actually just had an issue with somebody sort of um, swiping some of my branding. Uh, so there are copywriters out there. There's, there are some other uh, copywriters who use humor and they are fantastic. Um, okay. So it's, you know, I'm not the only one by any stretch of the, the imagination. Imitation um, is the sincerest form of flattery, but go get your own. Yeah, but like plagiarism, maybe not super flattering. No, yeah. I, uh... I mean, I looked up to a few people in the e-commerce space as we started to get more and more niche down into this as we were growing the agency and kind of growing our business. And uh, you know, I started meeting these people out and just becoming their friends and then slowly telling them they're like, Yeah, I like ripped this off one time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we call it swiping. Yeah, swiping. I swipe that from yeah, you. Like- in the spirit, despite the spirit of the thing, maybe not the actual, it, all right, the actual not words. Verbatim, uh, exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had gotten in trouble once for using a photo I did not have the rights to. This was 10, uh, 15 yeah. years ago, and I had to pay money for it. Oh. Yeah. I think there's room, there's room for everybody because, you know, we all have different takes on humor and copy. My thing is like, how do we connect it with conversions? How do we use it strategically to build relationships? And even within that, the types of projects that I like doing and the sense of humor that I have are going to be different from other quote unquote humor copywriters out there. So I think there's room to play. And I like uh, just your two examples that you've used of the stormwater, I believe, and yeah. then the uh, gardening uh, equipment 
I think that's what I was wondering when we were first getting ready to interview you is what brands, I don't want to say are allowed to use Mm -hmm. humor, but which ones does it work for? And you kind of blew me away with those two. So I like that, you know, really switching it up. And if you if you have a boring product, maybe it's it's the perfect time to bring something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's a question that I get all the time too from people in the B2B space. They're like, well, I'm not allowed to because people expect me to be super formal and corporate. And it's like, well, what if you tried not being that way and maybe introduce it slower in a, a lower um, pressure scenario? So like maybe not introducing humor for the first time in your like sales closing emails, but you know, maybe in like click trigger copy underneath your buttons on your website or you know, in a in an email after someone's been on your list for a year or something like that, just starting slow and a little bit cautiously. E-commerce people tend to go straight for the humor and and be the most willing to do absurd stuff. But that said, like uh, I just worked for a financial services planning firm in Australia, writing some client onboarding emails. So they they'll have interactions with these people in person. They'll come in, they'll sign a bunch of forms, and this firm will start working with them on like wealth planning and management. Uh, And they really wanted to make their clients feel special even when they weren't in the office with them. So we wrote this very short but like spaced out um, six-month drip campaign that first asks them like, Hey, what's your favorite beverage? And then it sends them an email from this stock photo that the marketing director found that's a goldfish with a a shark fin uh, strapped on it. And it's like their unofficial mascot and they call it Fish Shark. So I wrote an email from Fish Shark that was like, hello, it me, fish shark, escape from tank. Like, want to write you and ask you how do. Oh, wait, have to go. Here, cleaning lady. Just something bizarre that they wouldn't expect from their financial services firm. And they they were like, this is this is us. Like, this is so us. I included a, a gif of somebody on a rugby team slapping someone else's butt. And they highlighted and they were like, this is our company culture. <laughs> Not <laughs> oh that my way. gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> so like, it happens where you wouldn't expect it, you know? Yeah, um, well, I mean, it goes back to... Most people that are building an e-commerce company, you know, they want the freedom of doing whatever the heck they want. That's why we do this business. Like, who says you can't write copy however you want it? Who said you can't inject humor? Like, I think that's fantastic. And I'm going to take a page out of you know Leanne's book over here and try to make a be more funnies. (laughs) Yeah, just have have more fun because if you're having fun, as long as you're not being incredibly offensive, like most people are probably having fun with you. Absolutely. Awesome. So if people enjoy you and your brand of humor, where can they find out more about you? Uh, They can find me at punchlinecopy.com and snapcopy.co where we are not outwardly funny. Uh, And then I I also share way too much about my life on Twitter at punchlinecopy. Awesome. Awesome. So you uh, brought up before the show is you've got a product page copywriting service called The Contender. Yeah. How would I be a good fit for that? Like, what What kind of client... Is you, do you think would be benefit from that? So if you have identified that copy is an opportunity on your product page, uh, and you like maybe you have the manufacturer's copy there, and the page isn't converting as much as you want, or the copy is stale, or you just know that it's not giving enough uh, information on the product, you'd probably be a good fit. And it's essentially an audit of the current product page, both from the design and UX uh, and copy perspectives, and then rewritten copy that's much more focused around. Uh, customer research that you provide and uh, benefits and like future pacing. Like imagine how great your life will be with this product, but not in a gross way. Ooh, that's gonna be my term of the <laughs> week now, future pacing. Yeah. It also is my band name now, so don't take it. Oh, that's I'm I'm 
sensing something like Death Cab for Cutie. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, is there anything else that you want to leave our audience with? If you're scared to try humor, just roll it out in one small place, preferably where you can test its effects, and then follow up and ask uh, people, hey, what did you think about that? Did you enjoy it? Because uh, I bet they'll say yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io slash connect. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. 